Hello, and welcome back to the Physio DC podcast, where we give you PT news and some insight into the Physio DC shenanigans. Today, we bring to you episode one of Mythbusters, PT Mythbusters, and we have with us Josh Ripp. Hello there, everyone. So we are going to go over a couple of very basic PT myths that people have and try to bust them and give you the real information about what happens. So the first thing that we want to bust is the fact that sometimes people think they need an injury to get physical therapy services. So Josh, what do you say to that? I would say if more people went to physical therapy services before injuries, I think it would prevent a lot of them. Exactly. PT is not necessarily just to heal things, but it is also for education and prevention. So, you know, if you're an athletic person and you're not sure if you're doing something right, you have to remember physical therapists, we're basically experts in movement and function. So if you're not sure if you're doing something right, you're not sure if the right muscles are working or recruiting, you can always definitely go seek out some physical therapy services, get a consultation and get things sorted out for you. In my opinion, this is probably one of the most underutilized things of our job. I don't see too many people proactively going out and prior to injury, seeing, hey, what can I do to prevent injury, even though this is arguably one of the most important things that people can do. Exactly. It's it's a lot easier to not start fires instead of put out fires. Absolutely right. Yeah. And, you know, with that, I think there has been somewhat of an uptick in regards to physical therapy and physical therapists themselves in trying to promote this themselves with Healthy People 2020 coming out. I know a lot come up about patient education and more prevention than essentially trying to fix or cure. So I th- that kind of comes on us too to do podcasts or things like this to try get the word out that, hey, we can see you prior to injuries, try to prevent all this stuff, do analysis on your gait, on your lifting technique things like that. Exactly. And that leads us to the next myth is that oftentimes people think that they need to have a doctor's referral to go to PT. So if you think you can only go to PT if you have an injury, then if you think you need a doctor's referral, then what do you do? Because then it's like, hey, doc, I kind of want to go to PT, but I don't really have an injury. So what do I do? Guess what? You don't need a doctor's referral. (laughs) Depends on the state you're in. Well, actually, as of January 1st, 2015, all states have direct access. Modified, though. That is true. So some states are really, really, really restricted on it. And usually you have to get a doctor's note. They say they're direct access, but unless you fit some specific criteria that you have to get a doctor's note. Now, D.C. is pretty lenient, and you you can usually go PT no problem without a doctor's note unless you are someone with Medicare insurance. Yeah, so kind of the way it works is you have your your legal allowances, and then you also have your allowances of who's paying the bill, right? So legally, in some states, you have complete access to physical therapy from start to finish. In some states, you have legal access to see a PT for just one visit, and then after that, you need a doctor's note. Now, what the payer is going to require is a completely different story. If legally, I can see you as often as I want, that's fine and that will always be the case but you know you're you're kind of governed by who's paying the bill and so if your insurance company whether you're in a direct access state or not says we need a doctor's referral for PT then you need a referral if you want to 
get that PT treatment paid for. So that's definitely something that patients should be aware of. And, you know, you should always kind of know what your insurance plan states so that there's no surprises on the back end. Yeah, bouncing off that, getting a little sidetracked, I don't want to take it too far, though. I know a lot of people worry about that because, they, oh, what if it's more severe? What if, you know, I have something that I need surgery on and I go physical therapy first? Or what if the physical therapist misses something that the doctor could have gotten? Now, we go through extensive training, and especially nowadays, they require doctorates for physical therapists. So they have a little bit more knowledge than, say, 30, 40 years ago in the PT realm. But we do have the right to essentially refer you back to a physician. So say you come in, no doctor script, and we think, okay, you know, this seems a little bit out of the scope of the musculoskeletal system and something else may be going on. Now we can send you to a doctor instead of, you know, you always have to go to the doctor first. Exactly. We wanted to get some of that information out there for you because, again, we do want people to seek out the, the more preventative care that can help reduce the, the real bad injuries and reduce the need to end up on the operating table. So this next myth, I want to say this myth was perpetuated by a Seinfeld episode. <laughs> back in the 90s, which was that I can go to PT just to get a massage and have my insurance paid you know, for it. exact episode <laughs> you're thinking of, Kara. My favorite show of all time. There's a little fun fact for you on this podcast. Yeah, no, we don't do massages in general. It may seem like it, but we, we usually are on a different path when we go in and put our hands on you and get deep in those muscles. Yeah, and quite frankly, what some people may think it looks like a massage that I'm giving. It, it definitely doesn't feel like if you go to a spa and get a massage. It, wow. it definitely has a, a different, uh, less pleasant, oftentimes, uh, feeling. <laughs> yeah, I'd say we, we call this more soft tissue mobilization. Mm-hmm. So we tend to get a little deeper in there. It'd be kind of more like if you got a deep tissue massage. That won't be to the extent of that. But think of somewhere in between your normal spa massage and a deep tissue massage. That's kind of the realm we seem to live in. Yeah, and, and the purpose... Of, of any soft tissue mobilization that we're doing in a PT visit, it's really so that we can get you back to doing those restorative movement patterns. So what we're doing on the table oftentimes is just to get you off the table so that you can actually move. So we're not just massaging you or doing soft tissue mobilization just so that you can feel good. And I know that you'd probably want that to be the answer, but really it's so if you can't lift your arm because uh, your subscapularis muscle is so tight that you're not able to get your arm over your head, I'm going to work that muscle and try and make it a little bit more pliable so that we can work into the range of motion to get your arm over your head. Um, So there's definitely more of an end game to the soft tissue mobilization that we're doing in your typical PT visit. I think so too, that it's important to notice that it's not just going to be you're on the bed getting the soft tissue mobilization and then you go home. You know, this is physical therapy. You need to do physical activity exercises are going to be before or after really you're going to have to actually get into you know the nitty-gritty of strengthening you know loosening up muscles and stuff like that it's not just going to be all you come in get a nice little hand you know manual therapy from your therapist for an hour to 45 minutes and then you go home so i think that's something the seinfeld episode also did not address yeah the seinfeld episode did not address that at all basically it seems like they went to a massage therapist but for all the people that are wanting to just have their insurance companies pay for massage check with your insurance plan this is now becoming a tool or modality that 
insurance companies are paying for. So don't try and get over on us by, you know, saying you want therapy and you just really want a massage and have your insurance Mm. company pay for it. Look into your insurance plan because, you know, they are definitely paying for a lot more services and oftentimes massage therapy can be one of them. Yeah, and I think the the difference there is massage therapist versus someone who's just a masseuse. Right. Again, massage therapy can sometimes be reimbursed. If you have just someone who's a masseuse and hasn't really ever been certified or gone to special training, they may less likely to get reimbursed. Yes, you definitely always want to make sure that you are getting your services rendered from an LMT, licensed massage therapist, okay? So here comes the next one. This is a big one for me. A lot of people are shy about going to therapy because they think that no matter what, it's going to hurt because for years, all they've heard was no pain, no gain. What do you say to that? (laughs) I'd say if... uh... You're going to therapy scared and you're having extreme pain with your physical therapist, you probably need to find a new one. Yeah. So let's be honest, like therapy is not going to feel amazing all the time. And it obviously depends on what you're going to therapy for. Somebody that just had surgery on their knee or their shoulder and it's very stiff and we're trying to get it moving, it's not going to feel great. But at the same time, we're not trying to put you in more of an inflamed or a pain state than when you came in. We want to actually make things feel better so that again, we can get back to those restorative movement patterns. So yes, there's going to be a level of discomfort sometimes, not always, but we try to make that as minimal as possible. I think you said exactly. Usually something I tell my patients on the first day is I really want you to find the difference between pain and discomfort. I don't want pain but discomfort is okay to a certain degree. If you're crying, if tears are coming down your face, if your pain is 9 out of 10, 10 out of 10, that's pain. But, you know, if you're coming up a little bit on the pain scale from your baseline than when you walked in, and then whenever we stop, whatever is causing that discomfort, and it goes back to baseline, then that's usually pretty normal. Yeah, that's only to be expected, honestly. But we're, we're definitely not making people leave here with a box of tissues. So therapy, yes, it may be a little bit uncomfortable at times, depending on what you're going through. But our goal is not to hurt you. So don't give us evil eyes, okay? This next one, I don't know, Josh. You might have a completely different outlook on this next myth than I do. Because I think between medical practitioners, it's very 50-50. But this next myth is that ice is not useful after 24 to 48 hours. Oh man, I have so much new research that can go just into the ice debate in general. Is icing even good to start? So I'll Mm -hmm. let you start, Kira, and then I'll kind of follow up with some, some stuff, what I believe and some research I've read. Okay, so this is how I feel about ice. Ice is a very good natural agent to help decrease pain. It is a natural agent to help decrease swelling. Oftentimes, when we first get injured, there is usually pain and swelling. Usually, the pain comes from the swelling. And so that is why oftentimes we've been told, oh, yeah, you can ice it. But after 24 to 48 hours, icing isn't helpful. Now, this is a very controversial topic. And I think I know where you're going with this, Josh. And it's because swelling isn't always necessarily a bad thing. You know, so it's a natural process. And it's part of the healing process. But 
We also don't want it hanging around for too long because it has to go through swelling but then stop swelling <laughs> to keep healing. And so I think sometimes what happens is people get swollen but then that swelling never actually goes away. So that's when I do think that ice is useful. I also, again, back to being able to just do restorative movement, if putting ice on you is going to help you decrease pain so that you can actually get through some of the homework exercises that I give you so that you can regain your mobility, regain some strength, then I'm all for it. I don't care when it is. <laughs> That's how I feel about ice. How do you feel about it? Yeah, I think what you said, my personal preference is I agree with you. Mm -hmm. So it was interesting. Back when I was in school, I had a professor who for an assignment, told us that we need to write a article on why ice is beneficial and have specific studies showing how ice is beneficial. Mm -hmm. And that came, it probably took me almost two hours to find one article that said why icing is good. Mm -hmm. Pretty much all of this, you know, all these new articles, all this new research is saying how icing is bad and we should not ice due to what Kira just said about how inflammation is actually the body's response to healing. Now, we think in physical therapy terms, we're not thinking purely, okay, how long till this bone, tendon, ligament, muscle heals. Kira's right. If you have so much swelling that is limiting your function, we can't get through that necessary range of motion. We can't strengthen through that motion because the swelling is limiting your, your joint movement, then I think ice is appropriate. I, I disagree saying never ice. I do use ice. I think it's important when the inflammation is limiting you because we can't essentially fix what is wrong due to those limitations. Now, icing every day, 20 minutes a day and all that, I disagree with that. I think you need to ice when appropriate just so your body can go through that inflammatory stage and heal up in my personal opinion so i'll usually just tell them to ice maybe one to two times a day max if they are icing and it goes well past 24 hours people who have surgery they'll tell you they they're swollen whatever part it was knee arm leg swollen for weeks to months so yeah it's you know you can be in the inflammatory stage depending on how severe the injury was for many months yeah and there's lots of other ways to help mitigate inflammation that may be restricting things as well so you can use ice but you do want to use it when it's appropriate i probably end almost all of my patients treatments usually with a cold pack but i've got to admit a lot of that is just for patient satisfaction we don't charge for ice packs or anything but i think you know sometimes especially if you work somebody really hard it's almost kind of like that's their prize. <laughs> They're like, yay, I deserved my ice pack today. And, you know, you definitely don't want anybody leaving feeling worse than when they came in just because they did some really good work as far as moving their joint and increasing some range of motion and increasing some strength, which will, it will develop some very minor changes on a micro micro circulatory level where it may seem like they do get some small versions of inflammation from from just doing some extra work so i think you know sometimes just icing for a few minutes after you've done a lot of activity on an injured area or an area that's recovering is is an appropriate thing to do yeah, especially i think after the first you know, visit or two usually patients who haven't uh, done anything in a while the first visit they have the second visit they have they're usually pretty sore afterwards yeah just because that that area of the body is not 
used to all this stimulus from the exercise. So uh, I do, you know, I offer personally some ice to some patients who I find it beneficial, but I definitely would do not ice as often as Kira does. I also just really like ice. Yeah. I have no problem with being cold. I'm a big vanilla ice fan too. Kira, <laughs> ice. Actually, Josh, speaking of which, I actually did a um, cryo chamber. That's how much I actually like being cold. I did it once. It was kind of experimental just to kind of see if I felt any of all the benefits that it claims to have. No. (laughs) It's big in professional sports right now. Yeah. But I know a lot of the popularity has been with Antonio Brown having his feet almost frozen off with it. Yeah. That was a bizarre, his whole situation was bizarre. That's a podcast for another Yeah, time. that's a whole other podcast. We can have a whole podcast yeah, series we can, Antonio we can, Brown. Yes. <laughs> All right. The last myth that we are going to discuss today is when you are done with PT. So I think sometimes people think once you're discharged from PT, you are done, you are healed, you are 100%. I personally say no. That's not true. I'd say no, because <laughs> I'd say most of the time I don't have a patient fully 100% by the time we discharge. Mm-hmm. I get them, you know, probably above 90% for the most part. They're, they're good. They can go out in society. They can interact. They can do everything they need to do in their day, but they can still tell maybe some weakness there, maybe a little bit of lack of motion. And I'll usually discharge with a home exercise plan. Hey, oh, hey, keep doing these or add these in. Run this much, walk this much, really see how it feels. And with this and hopefully a few weeks, a few months, etc., it's going to feel 100% back to normal. Yeah. And again, I think this is one of these things that it really just depends on a what you came into PT for what your prior level of function was and what your your goals were in your PT services if you are a pretty sedentary person and you had a little I don't know a little shoulder pain because you like slept on your arm weird or you fell and it's not like you need to go back to shooting hoops or anything like that yeah maybe you might be a hundred percent done once you're finished with therapy. But honestly, even then, I would still say you need to kind of keep up with these exercises to manage your your posture. But oftentimes you're not, especially in our setting where we're seeing a lot of patients that are high-level athletes. We're, we're not necessarily going to see them through till their their next really long marathon or anything like that. But we definitely are going to get them to a point where they can run again comfortably so that they can start training on their own. So there is definitely always a discharge plan with discharge exercises. And, you know, this is something that I often talk to my patients with from the first visit. And then sometimes we have to break up slowly. <laughs> yeah. And I think with the discharging with the home exercise plan, a lot of it's preventative too from mm-hmm. this happening again. Exactly. Hey, keep doing these. Maybe not every day. Usually when I prescribe home exercises to patients, all right, let's do these every day. You don't have to do them every day after discharge if everything is pretty much 100% or you're close to it. But getting these maybe every couple weeks, just making sure you maintain what you built in PT, I think is important so you don't relapse and all of a sudden whatever is hurting you hurts you again. Exactly. Because that is the most shameful look that you will ever get in your life is from a patient who you discharge and they were feeling so good when you discharge them and then three or four months later they're back on your schedule and you're like hey what's going on they're like same problem and then you say well how'd you do with those discharge exercises?" and they're like well I didn't do them at all (laughs) so you definitely have to basically come up with a maintenance routine and you do have to do that maintenance for you know quite some time again to 
prevents having to come back in or having to, like Josh said, relapse. Any other things you want to mention with that? No, I mean, hey, we. I always say to my patient on their last visit, you know, I'd love to see you again, just not here. Exactly. Don't relapse. You know, we want you out the door for good. Yeah. Stay healthy. Stay healthy. And if something else happens, I'm happy to see you, but let's not treat this again. All right, guys. So hopefully we were able to get some really basic questions answered for you give you a little bit more education on what physical therapy is and how much access you actually have to it. So don't wait to put out fires. Come and see us if you need us. Come and see us if you just want to discuss something that you're thinking about preventing. But we want everybody to stay healthy and stay moving because that's what our bodies are meant to do is they're meant to move through this life. So that's about it. Hope we busted those myths for you. Yeah, and Kira and I have discussed, uh, it's, we're excited about this new podcast series of Mythbusters. We hope to do a few episodes more together, maybe have some special guests, have uh, Chris or Dan yeah. or Christina in here to you know give us some of their own myths that they've experienced. But no, it's an exciting podcast, and hopefully uh, you enjoyed it and you come back for the future ones that we put out. Yeah, and definitely don't forget, if you have your own questions that you want us to answer, please feel free to reach out to us. You can add comments in our podcast page or you can reach out to us on our physio dc website i hope you guys stay nice and safe and thanks for joining us